One two, one two, one two, one two. You ready? You ready? You ready? You ready? Yo, this yo, one goes yo, out to Prince Paul, my man Fuquan, the gatekeeper, Prince Rakim, and last but not least, the Green As your soul enters the next stage, reality becomes obsolete. You have nothing to fear. Nothing to fear. Walking in the shadows, you realize that life is nothing but a form of animated death. And to my right is the one that they call the Grim Reaper. The Grim Reaper. Yo. Yo. Once again, we're back with another edition of the Wu-Tang Podcast, a Channel 10 podcast production. And it is I, the almighty AR, alongside Singa Superior. And uh, we're back with another exciting edition. We're going to break down, you know, just discuss our thoughts and feelings on the Grave Diggers Six Feet Deep, a.k.a. Nigga Mortis, um, but um, before we get into that, man, um, what do you have going on, man? Plug whatever you have going on. Um, as of now, I have an EP out entitled Corals. Um, you can go ahead and cop that. You can listen to it on Title, Apple Music, wherever you uh you stream at. Also, you can get it on iTunes. You can buy it on Bandcamp and whatnot. And then also you can check me out on Twitter at Singard Superior. And you can also check out SingardSuperior.com for any updates on different things that I have going on in the podcast atmosphere as well as that as well as in the music atmosphere. That's what's up. And um, as always, you can check me out at the almightyar.com. Um, right now I have a Baltimore Club music project out called Polyrhythms. You can get it wherever you get your music from. Um, if you want to support me directly, you can get it from 410musicfactory.com. Um, and um, yeah, as always, channel10podcast.com. Um, you know, make sure you check out all of our episodes there and rate, subscribe, comment on the Wu-Tang Podcast, wherever you listen to podcasts and the Channel 10 Podcast. And um, yeah, man, we got a lot going on here. So, um, <clears throat> excuse me. One thing that I wanted to uh, mention is uh, I'm gonna give a shout out to Hip Hop Golden Age for showing the support. Make sure you check out hiphopgoldenage.com. They are a great, you know, website that breaks down exactly what it's called, you know, Golden Age Hip Hop. And um, I want to mention everything and nothing. Uh, I left a comment on our last episode uh, regarding Ghostface. Um, I think we mentioned something about, you know, is he on uh, Method Man's first album or something like that? And he was like, uh, you know, Ghostface wasn't going at the man's first album. So, you know, thanks for listening and commenting. And, you know, please continue to do so. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, so, um, Grave Diggers, uh, six feet deep. Um, now, you had listened to this album before, right? Yeah. Yeah, for me, it was one of those albums that, 
um, I had always been meaning to get to, but, you know, just never did. Um, and, you know, personally, I was um, I was surprised at how much I enjoyed it. Um, did you enjoy it? Uh, I don't, I mean, you know, like, it, it's a cool album. Um, but even when I did listen to it, like, way back when, it was never, like, one of my favorite albums. Like, there are, like, songs on there that I like a lot. And then other songs, I'm like, you know, it's cool. And I think the main reason why that is is, is because, you know, I don't... Yeah, I know I make it killed for this, but I just don't... Although, like, the song, all every, all the songs in there are good, but, like, as an album altogether, I just think that it doesn't exactly... Um, all, all of them don't, like, go together, per se. So, you know, you have, like, your, you know, your super dark songs, like, you know, Diary of a Madman, and I think, what is it called, uh, 1-800-SUICIDE, and all these other kinds of darker songs, and then I think other, um, songs on there, they just tend to be, you know, a bit more laid back. Yeah, um, I will say this album wasn't what I was expecting it to be, like, I thought that it was going to be some type of over-the-top corny thing, and I thought that it was going to be like straight up like a Necro album. And um, it wasn't really like that. Like some of the songs might have had like a horrorcore type hook. And then on the verses, you know, they're talking about some 5% stuff or some other type of stuff. And they might throw a little bit of horrorcore in there. But um, it, it, it didn't seem all the way straight horrorcore to me, you know. I mean, yeah, I don't really, I don't really see this as like a horrorcore album, honestly. I mean, you know, you got, you got Gangsta Nip, you have Three Six Mafia, Lord Infamous, and stuff like that. Um, you know, I just, I don't know. I mean, I see Flatliners as, as you know, horrorcore. I don't really see it. I mean, because that was Russell Simmons' nephew, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> And I think the term horrorcore kind of came out around that time, whatever like that, when it came, when it became a bit more commercialized or whatever like that. But um, I don't know. I mean, I guess two cups of blood, and you know certain things that uh, um, that poetic says on here. Yeah. Um, now, I guess this album um, it was successful, you know, relatively successful for the time. Um, and the interesting thing is, you know, this album, um, well, the, you, you, well, the group itself, so Crave Diggers, um, you know, is made up of, of a bunch of people who, um, at some point or another were signed to, you know, different labels like, uh, Tommy Boy, I think each member had been signed to Tommy Boy at one point, and then, um, you know, RZA, he, you know, as we discussed on our first ep- or our second episode, um, he previously had a deal and had an album out under the name Prince Rakim. And then um, you had Fruit Pawn and um, um, what's his name? Um, well, I can't think of his name right now. Prince oh, Paul. Oh, yeah, Prince Paul. Who were part of uh, Stessa Sonic. But, um, you know, you have um, all these people who, you know, didn't get the success that they wanted. Um, at the time out of the music industry and so they all got together and almost like a d12 type situation they all came up with different names for themselves for this theme um, and you know kind of reinvented themselves 
And then when they put this album together, they went around and shopped it and nobody wanted it. So then I guess, you know, maybe RZA wanted to go ahead and, you know, do the Wu-Tang thing. And then after Wu-Tang's album first came out, that's when later, shortly after that, uh, this album, Six Feet Deep, was picked up by G Street Records. And I guess it kind of was able to get some buzz and love off of the Wu-Tang, um, you know, success. Um, and the album was originally called Nigga Mortis. And I think the European version, some of them still have that title. Yeah. And G Street is also the album that, I mean, well, the album, the label that uh, released Riz's first, well, Riz's first Bobby Digital album mm. in 98. I didn't know that. Um, now, the production, I think I was mostly surprised by the production on this album. Um, like, I really like a lot of the way that they did some of the samples and it's mostly pr- produced by Prince Paul um, and, and RZA did some production as well and I think um, if I'm not mistaken did True Master do something on this one? Uh, I don't think so I think that might have been a later one yeah that was the uh, the second one okay but um, yeah some of the samples it's funny because some of the samples I've heard on other songs and things before but to hear him just like kind of with these raw drums with these guys experimenting with different flows and saying all this crazy stuff um was was pretty dope yeah it was um you know and i think the uh the the standout on this album is uh is uh poetic yeah yeah with his flow and you know unfortunately he passed away too soon but you know, after he, you know, after he uh, passed, and other people started looking back on his legacy, particularly with uh, the Grave Diggers in this album in particular. Yeah, and it's interesting because, you know, this album to me doesn't get mentioned a lot, but I can see influences in different people. Um, so when I think about like Camu Teo, kind of reminds me of Poetic a little bit. When you say. Yeah, actually, I was I was thinking that uh, I was thinking that maybe about like five minutes ago. It didn't come to my mind, and then you just said it. You know, it's, yeah, especially with his flow and like what Kamuteo did on uh, Table Scraps, which is uh, Megahertz's Megahertz first album that came out that RJD2 did most of the most of the production on. Yeah, and um, you know, other elements like. Um you know, like the alter ego aspect of it. So RZA was the RZA Rector. And then you had, um, you know, other group members who took other names to go with the theme. And that kind of reminded me of, you know, other groups who, that have done the same thing. Um, and then just kind of jumping off horrorcore for other people to do it and kind of take it to, you know, a whole nother level um, was pretty interesting. And then, you know, it seemed like they hit harder with the five percent stuff, um, even more so than than Thirty Six Chambers did. Like, uh, uh, there was one rhyme on here. It said something like, uh, "I mean, I'm, I mean, they're killing a lot of devils on this album, <laughs> and <laughs> a lot of devils get slain, um, cities get destroyed, like Sodom and Gomorrah, um, and." Somebody on here, I forget who it was, but I was just listening to it, and you know they hate crackers. <laughs> oh yeah, 
<laughs> um, but you know, it's really interesting some of the references that they use um, in this album, and it makes me wonder, like, how they were able to know about so much stuff pre-internet. You know? Uh, well, you had encyclopedias. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, it was deep <laughs> in the books. It's just like. You know, so much stuff that they talk about, you know, is kind of coming to the forefront now. But it's like they were up on it back in 91 and things like that. Um, So I thought that was another interesting thing, too. And then uh, Killer Priest was on here. Yeah. On the uh, graveyard chamber. And I think, was this his first appearance? Uh, I mean... Uh, I don't, I don't know, because you know who knows when when Bible came out, well, when it was recorded. That's true. But Liquid Source came out '95. This came out '94, right? Liquid Source came out '95. Yeah, but this was recorded in like '91. Yeah, '91. I mean, yeah. I mean, well, I mean, who knows? Maybe one day Killer Priest can come on and tell us. Yeah. <laughs> Shout out to Killer Priest. Um. You know, but you know, I wonder. Like, I wonder if uh, there was some some story that Killer Priest was supposed to be like an original grave grave digger member or something like that. The same thing with Wu Tang. You know, um, I was listening to something recently, and I was looking forward for this episode. Um, it was somebody who was supposed to be a part of the Grave Diggers. Um, I I, I want to say Master Ace, but it wasn't him. Um. I mean, he would be a perfect specimen, or would have been for the time. Yeah, it was somebody, um, let me see, I think it was, it, you know, who? Um, I, I think it was Daddy-O, Stetso. Um, he was on the Combat Jack show, and I think he said something about he, um, he, you know, after, I guess, things didn't go so well with, um, uh, whatever label that was, it's uh, escaping my mind right now. But you know, um, when they were with the with the uh, uh, RZA, um, what was it, Tommy Boy? Or, yeah, yeah. Um, gotta get my facts together. Uh, Stetson Sonic. They were on. I want to say Tommy Boy, but if it wasn't Tommy Boy, it was. Um, Okay, it was Tommy Boy. So, yeah, um, when they, you know, when things didn't go right or whatever with their situation, I think Daddy-O said he was walking down the street one day and saw all of the members of Gravediggers, like, all together sitting in some type of restaurant, some type of coffee house or something. He kind of looked at it funny, like, you know, he didn't get invited or something like that (laughs) and then didn't really think anything of it. And then next thing you know, it's the (laughs) Gravediggers. But, oh yeah, I, I vaguely remember that. Yeah. I mean, who knows who else was supposed to be a part of Grave Diggers, especially the way, you know, Prince Paul felt, and you know he also on the Combat Jack show he goes into that quite a bit. How he had uh, what, what was it called, Duty Records or some shit? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and I think uh, RZA wanted to be signed to Duty Records. Um, that's I think it was D O O D E W records, um, and that was you know after RZA left, um, 
yeah he was trying to get signed to that label and um you know one thing that you know i get from that whole story is um and this is something that you know i've talked about before on the channel 10 podcast is you know reinventing yourself and a lot of the most successful artists try really hard and then it doesn't work and then they reinvent themselves maybe create a new identity or a new name and come out again and then it doesn't work and they might try it one or two more times until it does work so rizza goes from prince rakeem to rizza rector to finally the rizza then bobby digital and it's like just keep reinventing yourself with a different sound and you know things can work out for you yeah and you know now currently rizza is bobby stills yeah <laughs> and uh it's a no, no. It's an interesting. It's an interesting album, out to say the least. The uh, Banks and Steels project, but I don't know. See, but now it gets kind of confusing because you know he he refers to himself as Bobby sometimes on the album, and I don't know if he means Bobby Steels or if he means Bobby Digital or 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 um is Bobby Steels and Bobby Digital like the same person? That's a good question. I mean, who knows? I mean, RZA might not even know. <laughs> I mean, probably doesn't, but, you know, I think the only... You really don't really see Bobby Stills. You just see, like, Bobby Stills came up on Liquid Swords on um that long uh, intro for Life of a Drug Dealer. Yeah. I mean, you know, people just flip different names and slangs and everything, so it's probably the same, same person. Um, well, we're going to see Noodles. That was a massacre. Yeah, yeah. When we going to see him? We, I think we only saw Noodles on um on the. But wasn't he on like the the Wu Tang video game? Yeah, I think so. <laughs> or maybe he was on uh, Massacre. Um, I don't know where where I first even heard of Noodles. Um. I don't know. I'm about to... Let me see. I think... I think that came into being on... um, If I'm not mistaken, Raekwon. You know, when everybody got their Gambino names and all of that. I think that's when um, when he took that on around the only go for Cuban links um, time, mm. and like yeah, I guess to fit into that whole mafioso Gambino thing. But um, yeah, I mean, when it comes to uh, to. To this album, I um I was I was pleasantly surprised. Like I said, I thought that it was going to be something real corny, maybe with some whack beats, and you know, um, it was it was really interesting. Like all three of these guys have a different. I mean, not three. Why well, say three? All of these MCs have different um, flows, and they play around with the words in different ways. Sometimes they go off beat, come back on. Sometimes they do a standard flow. They play with their voices. Um, they say some wild, interesting, entertaining things. 
and the beats are just um, pretty ill. Um, and you know, there's like a Wu Tang influence with the songs that RZA added production to. Um, but then you know, it's just a it's just a dope hip hop sound with the Prince Paul type of situation and the way he uses his drums. Um, so you know, um, I'm not I'm not mad at this. I'm not mad at it at all. And I'm glad that you know, finally through this podcast, I actually took the time to uh, listen to it. Yeah, I, um, and you know, I think, uh, I think Prince Paul is like really slept on as a producer, man. Like, and you know, the, another interesting thing about like, I think all these people, um, you know, is that they've kind of stayed away from the mainstream. So, you know, up to Poetic Duff, he was always against the mainstream. Seems like Fruit Fawn has kind of been like the same way. Prince Paul, for the most part, too in his own way like doing all these different like kind of indie side projects yeah um and i mean i guess you could say you could make an argument for rizzo also although even after this he went on to uh, have a top 40 hit with a uh, gravel pit in, in france uh <laughs> i mean he's uh in the movie i mean he's a movie star now well i mean well yeah but yeah, I mean, i'm just saying you know even well, I guess just like com- com- when it comes to commercial rap. Okay, yeah. Um. So yeah, I mean, so I think that's also something interesting that all of them, for the most part, have kind of stayed underground in a way. Well, at least when it comes to RZA, I guess we can kind of say that. You know, his his albums have kind of always stayed in the underground up to a point. Yeah. I mean, I think I think that's what allows them to be so creative and you know cultivate that. Um, that hardcore fan base, you know, they're just staying true and, you know, just playing with the music, you know, just having a good time with it um, and still hitting some serious topics. Like even on this, um, the dude, um, uh, I forget what song it was, but he told a whole story about, um, you know, a girl getting molested by her stepfather. And then at the end, he she took an ax and, and chopped off or like chopped his penis 40 times <laughs> Word. and like it was it was real serious and deep and I'm like oh man he's storytelling right here and I was like this isn't really horrorcore but it's kind of ill and then in the end it got real horrorcore so I was like okay so it kind of tied the, um, the the fantasy movie type of element into you know some real type of stories that are going on out here um, and so I think that they did kind of use um, the whole horrorcore aspect of it and the whole theme, um, you know, some of it is a bit cartoonish, but then they also brought it back with, you know, some some real life type stuff as well. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I don't know. It's well, I mean, certainly not horrorcore uh, that we know of today. Yeah, it's not uh, Necro, but you know, I guess it was a pioneering effort, and um, um. You know, I'm 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 glad it, it exists and that you know I got to hear it. So that's my take on it. Make sure you check that out. Grave diggers six feet deep, or if you're in Europe, nigga mortis. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, that's pretty much it for for this album. Hope you guys enjoyed our brief discussion on the um. On the Grave Diggers project, 
um, you know, since RZA is involved, you know, we had to discuss it on the Wu-Tang podcast and, um, you know, keep rocking with us and we'll keep, uh, you know, looking into these albums and delivering you this content. Word, uh, rate, subscribe, comment, favorite on uh, iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, wherever you listen to podcasts, Google Play Music and all that. And make sure you check out WuTangPodcast.com. And um, is that it? That's it. All right. We out. Peace. Peace.